put us in a safe place and he's going to rework this planet we live on. And then he's going to give it back to us. And, and we can't even imagine right now what that's going to be like. If that little taste of sunshine after um, a week of rain or if you live on the coast, perhaps uh, three months of rain. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what it's like, though, when you live out there every day. And then you get that little burst of sunshine. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a world that we cannot imagine right now because I don't think we're capable of imagining it. We, we only see glimpses of it now. We, we feel bits and pieces of it now. And so that's, that's what God has prepared for us. We hear a lot about, and this isn't a lesson on heaven versus earth, uh, but we hear a lot about, you know, strapping on some wings and going, being in heaven forever. It's really not that way. Uh, heaven and earth will be connected and God will be its, our light and, and the earth that we live on will be, will be brand new. Now, how many, how many people under the age of uh, 16 or, or uh, well, let's just say 14 do we have in the room? Who's under the age of 14? Would you raise your hand? We have two Okay, oh, over there too. All right. Um, okay. I, I appreciate your patience in listening to big people. I really do. And I know that a lot of what I say will be like Peanuts parents. Have you, how many of you seen the Peanuts cartoons? Wah, 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 wah. That's what it'll sound like to you some of the time. But if you'll bear with me, uh, and if you're willing to, towards the end, I'll get you to come up here because I have an example. Not much of an example, but at least you'll get some exercise and you'll be able to come up here and just kind of stand up here with me for a few minutes. But would you be willing to do that? Maybe prepare yourself now, psych yourself up now for that, okay? Now, I don't know that I'll be giving you money, uh, but at least you'll get some something out of it other than wah, wah, wah. Kelly introduced a, the, the topic of, of uh, entering into God's life, and, and he mentioned uh, that the, uh, our movement as a whole has, has missed that, um, has missed that uh, act, action of the Spirit over the years, and to some degree, he's, he's right. I, I've seen a, that change a little bit in the last few years, but by and large, our, our movement missed that at the very beginning. And uh, I don't know that they had the capacity to understand it. So as time has gone on, we have looked at scriptures that uh, talk about the Holy Spirit, and we, and we think, huh, and then we just keep flipping the pages. But they're, they're throughout the New Testament. There's a big difference, there's a big change between what happened previous to Christ and what happened after Christ. And, and we really, really want to enjoy the things that have happened after Christ. It's... It, it's the next piece in the puzzle. It it's, puts us that much closer to uh, to God's life. This is the scripture that we le- read uh, last week. His divine power has given us everything we need for life, or for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us everything, His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
That's a, that's a grandiose passage where God is inviting us into his divine nature, saying that he's given us everything for life and a godly, uh, life and godliness. However, there's a few more verses that go with this, and that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, I want Kelly to be able to move on with whatever he needs to for the next four weeks, but there's a few things we need to get out of the way here and some things that I want to um, talk about. First of all, when you read through what we call the Hebrew Scriptures or the, the Old Testament, we see a very different use of the Spirit. It's sort of like the Spirit of God moves towards people to affect their behavior, but it doesn't always affect their thinking. In fact, the Spirit perhaps looks for people who, who, who want to follow God and tries to help them along with that. But this, this endowment of the Spirit that we experience now is something completely different than the ancients knew about. They had a very foggy sense of what was going on. But it doesn't mean that God was without witness. Do you remember, if you read through Israel's exodus out of Egypt, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is a priest in Midian. Now, I always associate God with Israel. I don't associate him with anyone else. And so I come to passages like this where there's, there's a priest somewhere other than with Israel. And here, here we go. Before Israel has ever moved out of, uh, out of Egypt, what we've got is a priest out in Midian. Call him a priest of God. Now, he may have worked for other gods, but we do know that he worked for Yahweh or Jehovah. We run into another guy called Balaam. When the children of Israel were approaching the Midianite territory, the Moabite territory, a guy named Balak wanted Balaam to curse the Israelites. Balaam was a priest of God. Not connected with the Israelites. He's just this priest. Uh, there's some clay tablets that were found in, in about the mid-1960s um, from that area. Now, sometimes the translators will, will try to say that, that Balaam was actually lived up near the Euphrates. When they use the term the river, oftentimes they just assume that means the Euphrates. But these clay tablets, not from the Bible, from a secular source, put Balaam in that area around that time and actually talk about that story, about Balaam and Balak and all that. And they say he was a priest of the gods. But it's interesting when you look at what Balaam knows. Balak says, I want you to curse the Israelites. And he, he says, well, I'll ask God about it. But pretty much, whatever God says, I have to say. And Balak's not satisfied with that. He still gets Balaam to come. And there's, there's a whole story with a talking donkey in there. If you can imagine that, look it up. Just these days, I can just say look it up because I know you can. You just go on Google, right? You don't even flip the pages of this anymore. I mean, you, you can get how many versions online anytime you want. 
And if you want to look up a talking donkey in the Bible, you can. And I'll let you, I'll let you do that. Some of you already know about that, uh, that reference. So God's, God's print on people, on their hearts, is a little bit different. We know that, that uh, God endowed Saul with his spirit. He endowed David with his spirit so that they could rule over his people. We also know that at one point God removed his spirit from Saul because Saul was so disobedient. So these are, these are things from the outside. We have a passage in 2 Chronicles that tells us that, that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole land seeking to empower those that are committed to him. But still, it's, it's from this, this outside. Now, there's this bubbling in Daniel, these prophecies in Daniel, so that the, t- the people around the time of Jesus believe something's going to happen. They know something big's going to happen. They don't know what it is, but they know it's going to be in their favor. And right about the time of Jesus, they know something big's going to happen. To this time, the Spirit has, has worked to uh, empower the prophets, to write the Scriptures. In, in, in this book, Second Peter, uh, it also talks about that, that uh, the prophets did not write of their own accord, only what God told them to write. But it's always been from the outside. God was looking for something that would be completely different. Well, there's our, there's our regulations and rules. We don't want to go to that yet. Let me just read you something from uh, Jeremiah. This, this is God's wish. This is something that God looked forward to. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. So this is something that God was looking forward to, to do with humanity. And there are enough other passages that indicate it wasn't going to be limited to the Hebrews. It was going to be for everybody. So then we come to uh, a point when Jesus is born. We have Simeon, a godly man, who is prompted by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple courts. Right about the time Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus in to consecrate him. And then he, be- he holds the child and he begins to speak by the Holy Spirit. Now things are starting to bubble. The brew is thickening. Jesus then is endowed with the Holy Spirit. Raising people from the dead. Healing the sick. 
But then he tells his disciples, you know, guys, you're going to do something way bigger than what we're doing right now. And if you were one of them, what would you think? Like, what's bigger than this? Like, I can cast out demons. I can make people well. But Jesus says, no, no, something, something way bigger is going to happen with you guys. And it is bigger. Because it's preparing humanity to meet God. It's preparing, it's preparing people who have decided to follow God, to meet God, even though it does affect the whole world. The big thing is, and Jesus tells them very plainly at one point, the Spirit is going to flow out from you like streams of living water. So something big was happening. When it comes to this life, none of us get out alive. So, if I'm at death's door and you heal me today, you know what my end is. It's still going to remain the same. Until, until God calls an end to this, it always remains the same. Death rate in humanity is 100%. Some of us get there slowly. Some of us get there quickly. We have a relative right now that uh, is uh, enduring ALS. Um, and um, I know that each one of you have a relative or someone close to you right now who is dying or has died. That much we know. Jesus is talking about something that lasts longer and goes farther than anything we can imagine at this point. We try to imagine it, though. So here's, here's what happens. On the day of Pentecost, Peter addresses a crowd that's been called together because of some strange wind. And they hear these guys talking gibberish. But some guys are hearing the apostles talk in their own home dialect. And yet they've come from all over the world. Peter's going to quote something with lots of hyperbole in it. Lots of this sort of exaggerated language. But here it is. After Jesus has ascended, and you remember last week Kelly said, if Jesus didn't go, the Spirit couldn't come. So now this is all taking place. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. And he carries on with this piece from Joel. The terminology is really important there. Because he says that he's going to pour out his spirit. And what do you do when you pour something out? If you pour gravy on your biscuits, can you ever get the 
gravy back in the container again? When you pour water out of a, a jug into a, a glass, or if you pour it onto the ground, can you get it back in the container again? This, this, is, this is a change from affecting one person at a time, trying to affect their behavior, but not really getting to their heart. This is, this is dumping, just dumping the Holy Spirit out into the world. So now what happens is we have, we have people who, who decide to be gods. And this is what the new heaven and the new earth will be filled with. And that is people who, who make a decision to follow God. And God honors that decision by endowing us with the Holy Spirit. So it affects our heart. It affects us from inside. You saw a very wordy, a wordy scripture there, and, and I, uh, I can't read it. I didn't bring my glasses, but that, look at that. Look at all those tiny little words there. Oh. Anyways, I could get out of there. Uh, I, you know you're not supposed to do that on, uh, on, on these slides. It's, it's actually taboo when you're doing a presentation. You're not supposed to put that many words on a slide, but uh, we'll get through it. Together, we'll get through it. There's the work, right? Right in there, there's, there's the work. You see, we've got all that that God has, has laid out for us. He's dumped the Holy Spirit on us. We, we decide. We only make one decision. We say, God, I don't know about this. I don't know what's going on. I, it's hard for me to understand if you even exist sometimes, but I'm going to, okay, I'll give you this much. I'll, I'll go your way. And God honors our decision with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if it's all there, if it's been poured out, and it's there for us to wallow in and grasp, why don't we do it? Well, I don't know about you, but in my case, I'm in the way. Kelly said something last night about turning that tap on, right? That the Holy Spirit, it's just... We could be drowned in the Holy Spirit if we want. We just have to turn that tap on. But why don't we turn that tap on all the way? Why don't we turn it on full? Well, first of all, I don't think we can handle it right away. Too much of that. I think it's a, it's a growing experience. And so the reason I named the lesson, and I forget what I named it, but it's kind of like this. I don't know if you look at the title. It's I was asked for a title, and this is... It steps toward the divine. It's walking towards the divine. It's entering into the divine nature after a decision. But there's a lot of decisions along the way. And this is one of those things like uh, Miles was talking about with communion. You know, Communion is something we need to do all the time. We need to be reminded. Well, this is something we need to be reminded of, too, because we'll get really down on ourselves about why am I not more spiritual than I am. We'll hear a lesson about being able to wallow in the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's dumped out on humanity and all that. And, you know, well, that's, that's all over there, and I seem to be over here. But the thing is, I'm not over there, right? Somewhere along the line, I said, Lord, your way. I'm going to trade my agenda in for yours. We're buried with Christ in baptism. We're endowed with the Holy Spirit. Then we begin our journey. 
Before that, God can only talk to us from the outside. He can, he can, he can, he can flick our heads like this. But he can't make the decision for us. In every case, it is us who make the decision. Or should I say we? We who make the decision. And God who comes in to support that decision as we move towards him. As we become a little bit more spiritual, a little bit out of time. There's so many words there. For this very reason, this is, I, I, I need to be this close to this. You can read that one, I'll read this one. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual... I might have got... Mutual affection? All right. (laughs) And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind and is forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. My brothers, the word there is Adelphoi, it could be brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive the rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we have that great passage of being invited into the divine nature, and then we got all the, the fine print just after it. So next time, Kelly brings that one up, make sure you read the fine print with it, because it's there. This is the, this is the work. This is the... Uh, This is the tough stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but somewhere along the line, I've had to try to be honest with myself about who I am and about why I'm not turning the tap on and about why I'm not wallowing in all of the things that the Holy Spirit is giving to me. It takes a little bit of self-examination. Now, the self-help books are no good to me. How long does it take to create a new habit? There's no right answer. There's as many answers as there are people in this room. I just wish I had the money from the books that were written about these, though. That would be good. Or maybe then I'd have some better habits. Since I was in junior high, I've gone to bed late and get up late. Now, as a working stiff, I'm supposed to go to bed early and get up early. What happens is I stay up late and get up early because I want to keep my job. I'm between jobs right now, but not because I get up late. (laughs) Really, really, you know. How long does it take to, to change John Casella? New habit. <coughs> I've tried all those. Some of you who are able to change habits within seven days probably could look down at your nose or down your nose at me and say, well, you probably didn't try it correctly. 
I'm here to tell you, I tried it correctly. The only cure for John Casella is when I meet God face to face. That's the only cure for John Casella. That's the only time that I'm going to be making good decisions all the time. Right now, I don't. Right now, here, I'll just. Uh, right now, I, I make a promise 90 days at a time. I write out some things, promise God and myself, and I carry out the promise for 90 days. You would think that after 90 days, I'd be a changed man. I'm not. I have to make another 90-day promise. There's no cure for John Casella. However, I think I'm here now instead of there. Because I'm still headed toward the divine. It's something we do a little bit at a time. And this seems really simplistic. And I, I talked about this once before. It's worth repeating. I, was, I don't know what I was doing, but I didn't get to all of that like I should have. Every day when we come, or every week when we come in here, we, we see this wall, and, and, and this is a fairly good lesson for us. This is a massive wall when you stand right next to it, but it was put up one brick at a time, right? Have any of you ever used mortar, put bricks together? That's how, they didn't plunk this wall in place. Now you can get cement walls you can plunk in place, make them look like brick, but this brick wall here, was built one brick at a time. It's a massive wall, but it was one brick at a time. Things like that don't just happen. I don't, I don't, I don't move towards the divine all at once. I move a little bit at a time. The longest journey begins with what? First step, right? And we all know that one, but we forget it sometimes when we talk about our spiritual journey, or when we think about our spiritual journey. Somewhere in there, we have to be honest. Now, my cholesterol has been up here. It's been up here for as many years as my weight has been above my prime weight. Now, you may look at me. I'm probably the, the largest thin person you're ever going to see because I can, I can hide weight. Better than a lot of people. I was up around 210. Perhaps if I ate differently, I'd have been about 240. But I was about 40 pounds over my prime weight, where my cholesterol goes down to normal, where my joints are not having trouble supporting my weight, my prime weight. I was uh, the B, my BMI. Every time I would go for my my uh, health, what do you call those things? I lose my nouns now and again. What do you call those things? Physical, yeah. Thank you. See, now you were listening, right? I was forgetting and you were listening. Go for my physical, and my BMI is always in this zone. You know how those little zones go? Like that. Well, I was in the, I was in the zone that you shouldn't be in. Always. I'm... I mean, well, it's because I carry muscle. That's, that's why. Yeah. I can be in that zone all I want. 
However, my cholesterol told a different story. And so somehow I've got to be honest with myself as to why I'm always in that zone. And you know how hard it is to lose weight? Some of you do. I've got to lose 40. Some people have to use, lose 140 or 240. I feel so bad because the formula doesn't change. No one stuffed that food in my mouth. No one continues to stuff that food in my mouth. But me. It's me. And I, I hate that. Isn't there some pill I can take? Can, can God not just endow me with slimness? Can he not endow me with low cholesterol so I can be as large as I want? How about that? That would be even better. I was, I was, I was looking at packages to, to see how many calories were in things. I used to stuff nuts in my face all the time, seeds, nuts, all that kind of stuff. Sheila says, you know why you're 210 pounds, John? And there's always someone to tell you why, why, uh, why you're the weight you are. You know, you know, John, uh, you're eating constantly. <coughs> I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm stoking my furnace. Yeah, with the muscle I carry, of course, and, and these nuts. This is going to keep my furnace at, at high pitch. And maybe it did. You know, I, I might have been quite a bit heavier had I just eaten, eaten straight carbohydrates. But the thing is, I kept stuffing these things in my mouth. And I kept going to the scale and thinking, ah, something wrong, something wrong. I better eat more nuts, more seeds, right? So I look at, uh, this is for the kids in the audience here. I look at the, uh, the, uh, the list of ingredients on sunflower seeds, of all things. I eat those by the handful, a third of a cup. Fits in my hand very nicely. When I read how many calories were in a handful of sunflower seeds, this was my reaction. Okay, kids, you saw it here first. That was my reaction. It tasted really good. (coughs) That was my reaction. 300 calories for a handful of sunflower seeds? God made them. They're healthy. Why shouldn't I be able to eat them? Well, you can have one handful if you're not willing to have something else. I kept sticking stuff in my mouth and wondering why. But anyways, we get where we get. One brick at a time, one step at a time, one spoonful at a time. If I'm going to be honest with myself... And I've got to tell you, I'm not happy about it. I'm actually angry about it. I'm angry that I can't eat whatever I want and still be the weight I want. I'm angry about it. Does my anger change anything? Nah. I'm still going to be off, off the big part of the chart. My BMI or whatever they call it, still going to be 28 or 29 or wherever it is. Because the facts don't change, just because I'm angry about them. So somewhere along the line, I have to realize that my journey, whatever that journey is, is one step at a time. It is one spoonful at a time. It is one sip at a time. 
So there's a little bit of work involved. Uh, you remember the passage that had so many little tiny words in there. It had all that stuff in there. It had to do with adding things and doing things. Now there's tons of other passages we can't get to this morning. Maybe Kelly will get to them in, in other weeks. But there is this incremental nature to walking towards the Spirit. Oh, <laughs> we forgot this one here. Now I'm just, okay, you see that frowny face there? So I knew you were going to have kids here this morning, some kids, and so I changed it to this. But you know, I really think this. Okay? There's a limit to how many raw vegetables I'm willing to eat. At some point, I think I'm expending more calories eating the vegetables than I... Oh, that my icon, okay. Anyways, it gets tiresome. And then someone will suggest yoga because of my age. And uh, I will get... Oh, sorry, parents. There's, there's the little happy face again. Raw vegetables, kids. Yeah. Okay, so one step at a time. This is what the passage boils down to, the, the fine print passage. We add faith. We add goodness. We add knowledge, self-control, perseverance. These are all incremental. And... We, we don't get where we're going to go any other way. Walking towards the divine, making the decision and allowing God to honor that decision and help us along the way, walking towards the divine changes how we see life. It changes how we understand what people do to us. It changes how we behave. A little bit at a time. Yeah, the kids want to come up here? Any, any kids want to come up here? You know, this means it's going to be over. If you, if you come up here, it'll be over real soon. Okay. Got any kids that want to come up here? I won't make you eat any vegetables. Okay, we, we, we don't have to do that. I, I you know... Kids need a little bit more preparation than I'm willing to give them. And sometimes, see, since I'm too tin, I'm scary. And since I carry muscle, I'm also scary. Oh, you come up if you want. I, 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 then I started saying the scary thing. I didn't realize she was coming up. Okay. Uh, Bonnie, you want to just come up here for just a minute here? <laughs> Uh, one of the things that, that happens in a church is that the older uh, goes on about what they do, but they... Well, actually, I could use my shoes right here, couldn't I? Yeah, here we go. All right, here. Okay, all right. See, my big sister and I go to church together. And... I look at her and I wonder. <laughs> She's so big and smart, right? We do that. Yeah, we do that in small ways and we do it in big ways, don't we? We, 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 we look at what we consider giants in the faith. Little kids look at bigger kids, but adults are the same way. Young Christians look at older Christians and... And we, we think, well, I want to be like them. 
And we're hoping all the time that they're saying, I want to be like Jesus, right? Taking steps toward the divine. And so it's really important that if you're the, the older sibling or the younger sibling who has perhaps even a younger sibling looking at you, and really we're all in this together, this is a family, right? We're all children of God. We're all related to Jesus. He's our big brother. Uh, when we take steps toward the divine, we show our, our siblings how it's done. Thanks very much, uh, Bonnie. I, we, we can't give that up because we think we ought to be over there, but we're actually over here. We, we can't give up the one brick at a time, the one step at a time, because it's a process. We're not going to be all the way there. If you're anything like me, you're not, you're not going to be there till Jesus shows up and calls an end to this. But it's important for our siblings and for each other that we continue on that journey because it affects the way we perceive the world around us and it affects the way we treat each other. Uh, a most recent example for us would have been when we we're talking about what we should do with the assemblies. Now, the older, the older siblings in this family here know and are well-versed in the fact that God wants us to concern ourselves with everybody else's welfare when we show up here. So as far as I'm concerned, you can sing whatever you want, however you want it. You can rearrange this assembly any way you want. When I come here, I need to be sure that you're getting what you need. That's my goal as an older brother. And as a younger sibling, I want you to take that as an example when you come here and you decide how these assemblies are going to work because that's what God wants. So as we walk towards that goal, step into the divine a bite at a time, a brick at a time, a step at a time. We become endowed with a different sense. A sense that says, God's taking care of my needs. I'll take care, I'll take care of yours now. This is just one of the ways that, that walking toward the divine, a step at a time, assists us in our, in our church life. Another way that it helps us, though, is that we become the salt and the light to the world around us that they so desperately need. Now, some of you are thinking of, 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 of things that you deal with on a daily basis that may be difficult, maybe in work situations, family situations, etc. But as we are walking towards the divine, a step at a time, we become better equipped to deal with those situations in our life because we see them differently. We are the ones then that can give perspective to a situation that's very tense and very difficult in the lives of the people around us who may not know God. So my encouragement today is to take those steps toward the divine.
It won't happen all at once. The steps have to take place for anything to happen. We make a decision. God honors the decision with his Holy Spirit, and then we begin to walk toward the divine. Together, we do this. I need you to remind me to do that, and I will remind you. Fair enough? Let's sing a song.